Hey, how you doing? I'm Steve Fullen. Thanks for downloading This Time What It's Like Being Freelance for illustrator Natalie Smiley. I can remember last year there was a period of time where I didn't physically leave the house, either the front door or the back door, for three weeks. I didn't go anywhere. I just stopped and thought, what is going on? What am I doing with myself? And I thought, this has got to stop. Like, you've got to do something. An incredible feeling, knowing that somewhere in Scholastic, the massive publisher, someone goes, yep, she's perfect for that book. (laughs) There are very few people that are lucky enough to say they work, but it doesn't feel like work. Hello, I hope you're well. hope all your freelance stuff is uh, is coming along nicely. We've got Natalie Smiley, who is a children's illustrator, more specifically, but she's an illustrator that does a lot of children's art, uh, who we're going to be chatting to in a moment. Just to remind you, beingfreelance.com is the website. If you can subscribe to this on iTunes or your pod harvester, whatever the word might be, of choice, uh, then do that so you don't miss a guest because we've got so many great ones and you can always check back over the back catalogue of two seasons a whole year at beingfreelance.com. If you really enjoy this, uh, thanks so much. We've had really great reactions to the first ones of 2016. Do leave us a message on Twitter. That's nice. But also a review on the likes of iTunes is really useful as well. But let's crack on and let's say hello to Natalie Smith. Miley, freelance illustrator, currently based in Northern Ireland. Hi, Natalie. Hello. So why don't we get started chatting about how you got started being freelance? It's kind of a long journey, really, for me. It's a bit of an odd one as well. Um, but I'd, I've always drawn, as most people who are illustrators or artists say that they've always drawn. I always have drawn. Mine was really rubbish when I was growing up. And obviously, the more you do, the better you get. So I decided to go to art college after I finished school um, in Plymouth. I think I just picked completely the wrong course it was a multimedia course and I absolutely hated it I really wanted to get into kind of games design and all that kind of stuff but it just really wasn't for me it wasn't the kind of stuff I enjoyed at all so I left and um not knowing what to do I joined the Royal Air Force (laughs) as you do wow (laughs) I just walked past the recruiting office one day and thought oh I'll do that why not you know it'll be fine (laughs) so I did that um for a few years and when I left i you know, I kind of left and decided to do something a bit different and um, did, floated around doing a few different jobs here and there, kind of admin-y kind of jobs, and um, moved up to Scotland with my husband and decided to go back to college. And that was the best decision I think I've ever made. I really, really enjoyed it. I did a visual communications course and uh, it was two years and it was fantastic. And when it was coming to the end of the course, I I found out that I wasn't actually very good at graphic design, which is basically what the course was about. <laughs> <laughs> so I'd spent two years kind of being quite mediocre at graphic design and probably really annoying all my tutors because I would change all the um, the briefs into kind of illustration briefs. By the end of that, I thought, I really don't know what I'm going to do with myself. Of course, there's quite a, a graphic design driven industry in Aberdeen it's all kind of oil and gas and there's loads of money to be had you know if you're any good at it but I wasn't so I thought well (laughs) what am I going to do um and the I think it was the Easter break before I finished what I decided to do was try and get an agent because I thought I don't know what I'm doing that's the best way to kind of maybe go about you know getting some work so I took two weeks put a few bits and pieces in my portfolio and sent them off And I heard back from a couple of agencies and um, eventually got signed with my agency, The Bright Group. 
and left college and immediately got my first job and that's basically how it started. I just kind of flew into it. It was really good though, really good fun. Wow. So is that uh, quite a common thing, like illustrators are represented by agents, just the same as maybe we might think authors are, for example? Yeah, I think it is really common. Um, I know that most of the people that I speak to either want to be represented by an agent and just don't really know how to go about doing it or are represented by agencies and there are the the odd few who don't want an agent and still do really really well you know they they kind of they're really good at marketing themselves and you know getting work for themselves or they may have had an agent and then kind of moved away from the agency so when you were trying to get an agent did you like pick a niche of your own illustration or you know, as in, uh, yeah, or was I it like I a did. broad range of, hey, I can illustrate an oil rig as well as illustrating <laughs> a plane or I don't know. I'm rubbish at oil rigs and planes. <laughs> That's and... the one thing I can do. It's all straight lines. <laughs> I, um, I kind of looked at the kind of stuff that I was just drawing, you know, when you're doodling and, and the stuff that comes out naturally. And I thought, this is all really kid stuff. You know, all the briefs that I'd, um, that I'd changed in college sort of ended up being children related and my final project was um a big a big map of scotland that was aimed at children so it, i kind of fell into it organically i guess i was just drawing things for children and and just thought well maybe i can aim at the agencies that spec you know specifically deal with the children's market and i think i did email a few agencies that didn't specifically deal with the children's market and I can't remember if they got back to me or not but um I kind of aimed myself in that direction yeah so it was like a natural niche yeah, yeah. so so when was that then when did that you get was, an agent I think it was 2013 14 I can't remember honestly the last the last couple of years have been a blur ah a good <laughs> a blur. real blur a busy blur yeah it has been really busy I think it was 2014 yeah I'm saying that with some conviction, but I genuinely can't remember. <laughs> so so is, has it really been a blur? As in, as soon as you got that agent, work just started coming your way? Yeah, it has really been a blur. I'm not just saying that. I sometimes go three or four days and don't know what day it is. Or I'm sure that a lot of people are like this. A lot of freelancers are like this, but you genuinely, I lose time. I, I don't know what day it is half the time. And it doesn't, and I think part of the problem is that it doesn't actually matter what day it is for me because every day is a working day. It doesn't make a difference if it's a Saturday or a Tuesday or something. It just depends on whether or not my husband's home, you know, if it's a weekend, he'll be at home. And if he's, <laughs> if he's not, then he won't be, you know. So it really doesn't make a difference. But I think I've been really really lucky actually the agency that I've got have been fantastic at getting me work and I, I think there was a period of time um just before a Christmas one year where I had like a month and a half where I didn't have work but since then it's just been like an avalanche which is fantastic I'm not complaining at all I think it's brilliant so all of your work comes through the agency it does yeah I get there's a few little kind of bits and pieces that I do that I've always done um that I kind of I sell a few prints here and there or um I might do some posters for my mother-in-law's choir or something but it it's you know predominantly through the agency wow What's nice about that, presumably, then, is that you don't have to spend time marketing yourself. I presume you're not really invoicing. I don't know how it works with the agent, but you're certainly not chasing no. anybody other than one client. I do market myself a little bit because I I think 
it's fun to kind of it's fun to think about things that you can do you know the different kind of mail outs that you can do and all that kind of thing um so when I've got a bit of downtime in between projects or something I'm always thinking about you know sending mail out not that I've done many but I do think about doing it um but I don't have to and that that is a good thing about you know that's why you pay your your commission rate to the agency they are out there marketing you so you don't have to do it so you can concentrate as much as you possibly can on you know getting the work done for the best of your ability what kind of things are the mail outs um i i think i've only done one or two because i haven't had much downtime to get them planned but there was one that i did that was um it was a just a postcard and it had um an image on one side and on the back it had who I was and who I was represented by and how to get in contact with me and I sent it out to a few a few people in the publishing industry um and I did get work from it so Ah. yeah it does work nice uh and also with the lack of downtime (laughs) do you have uh side projects that you um that you work on because I know I notice on Twitter that you uh, and I think this is how I first found you you take part in the colour collective oh yes colour collective that's brilliant which I kind of see as a side project why, why don't you explain what that is the colour collective um all last year was set up by the wonderful Penny Neville Lee she um started off a twitter frenzy with colour collective and what she did was every every week she would pick a colour tweet the colour that was on a Saturday and then the following Friday you would have come up with during the week an image to tweet on the Friday at 7.30 and um, it was just it was amazing the amount of people that got involved in it was just was fantastic and at the time I was I think it was at the beginning of the year I started off doing kind of just generic pictures including the colour but then as I started going through the year and I get I started getting more and more um, work I was finding it difficult to think of something dif- different every week to do. So I kind of fell back on fashion, which I really, I'm not really a fashion illustrator at all. I, I just like dresses, you know, not, I don't wear them very often because I'm majority of the time I'm sitting either in my pajamas or a pair of tracksuit bottoms. So it's quite <laughs> nice to draw them, but it was a really good way of adding stuff to my portfolio because it doesn't have to, well, I did, some of my pictures were kind of quite involved, but some of them were just maybe just a woman with a dress, you know, it was quite simple and just minimal backgrounds. So it was quite nice to see something new added to the portfolio every week, whereas sometimes maybe you wouldn't do something for a month because you were busy or whatever. Yeah, it's quite a nice idea, isn't it? Sort of taking on that challenge. And I suppose you're then part of that community growing. Yeah, it was brilliant that that every every Friday that my Twitter timeline just turned into just this massive like length block of colour. It was brilliant. And it was really interesting to see what everybody did as well. You know, everybody's different kind of interpretations it was really great yeah i tell you what if you're ever feeling down that's so are they not doing it this year they are they are oh, doing really? it good. this year yeah that's so good to hear in that case if you're ever feeling down and you you want to stare at some really pretty pictures hashtag <laughs> color collective and it, it says something about my friday nights that <laughs> i was <And> usually, <laughs> i was usually in and um and, but it was just joyous it was great I, you know it was, I'm, it was I'm amazing not, I can't draw for toffee, but uh, <laughs> well, actually, my kids are at that age at the moment where they think I'm brilliant oh, at so drawing. Anything you draw yeah. is amazing. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> real, real niche in uh, in fish and elephants at the moment. <laughs> so, is that your only uh, sort of side project? Sort of like doing the the colour collective, or do you have other things that you've worked on? Um, 
it kind of is. I'm I'm terrible. This is why I was so pleased that Colour Collective lasted so long for me because I'm awful at saying oh, I'm going to start this new thing and it's going to be once a week and it's going to be brilliant and then I do one picture and com- completely forget all about it. I'm <laughs> horrible at like carrying things through like that. And it's I start off with really great intentions. It's just that I get sidetracked with things or something more interesting happens and I'm, you know, I just lose it completely. So I don't really have any side projects apart from the Colour Collective one and that's why I like it because it lasted so long. Like, and part of the problem is that it was it was quite public so I kind of had to keep doing it like the peer pressure (laughs) (laughs) how how do you manage to stay focused on your actual client work then is that a different part of your brain I think it is I was always the child in school who when they got the homework went straight home and did it and then it was done so I w- or I would just do it in class or something. So it was done, and I was I knew it was finished, and I could just move on to the next thing. Um, and I think I'm the same with client work. When I get given a project, that's just my focus for however long the project goes on. And that's why I tend to fall behind so much sometimes with um, portfolio work, and why Color Collective was so important was because I was so busy throughout a few months of last year. I just wouldn't have had time to do any portfolio work. So that, you know, it was quite a good side project for me. But um, the client work, I, I, I don't find it difficult to focus on that. And I actually find myself doing it in what I, what most people would, you know, class as their spare time. I don't really have kind of downtime as such anymore because I, and I can't complain about it because I enjoy my job so much. It's not really like work a lot of the time. You know, the stuff that I'm painting for clients would be kind of the stuff that I would be painting anyway. So it doesn't really feel like work. Oh, that's the best, isn't it? You've... It is. I can't complain. Now, there are very few people that are lucky enough to say that, you know, that they, they don't, they work, but it doesn't feel like work. Do you work from home then? I, well, I presume if you're in your PJs and your tracky, tracky bottoms <laughs> yeah. that you are. Nobody wants to see my PJs and me rolling around in my trackies <laughs> in an office. <laughs> Do you have a specific workspace or does it just filter out across the house? No, I have an office. Um, in my in our last house, I had the small spare room as an office, and this time I managed to catch the big spare room because um, my husband is office. He used to be home based, but now he's office based, so he can't he can't commandeer an entire room like I can because I'm here all the time. I get the big room. <laughs> well done. <laughs> How long have you been in Northern Ireland? Um, since October last year. Yeah. Because I suppose that's the great thing about your work is that you could be anywhere. Yeah, that's a good thing about me working from home. Sometimes it gets a bit lonely and sometimes it gets a little bit difficult to kind of um, interact with people. You find yourself not having said anything to you, uh, to anybody except maybe the husband or the dog for like a week and a half. So you go to the supermarket and you're ridiculously chatty to the <laughs> checkout workers or something and they think you're a nutter. So <laughs> it does get quite difficult. But the benefit of it is that I can go anywhere. As long as I've got my PC and my internet connection, I can do it whenever, wherever. How do you cope with that isolation? Is it simply by often forgetting a lot of ingredients so you have to pop back out again? <laughs> um, I. It's difficult sometimes after you've gone, you've gone for maybe... I can remember last year when we lived in Glasgow, there was a period of time where I didn't physically leave the house, either the front door or the back door, for three weeks. <laughs> I, I counted it on the calendar. I didn't go anywhere. And that was kind of, I just stopped and thought, what is going on? What am I doing with myself? Like, And then I was going out and I was getting really excited about just seeing 
people and I thought this has got to stop like you've got to do something <laughs> you've got to do something about this so I got a dog ah. <laughs> and started walking in the dog every day um, and it didn't really help so much where we were living because even though there seemed to be lots of dogs everywhere there never seemed to be anybody walking their dogs in our area so that didn't really help so much but then when we moved to Northern Ireland there's a beach about five minutes walk away oh. from us and there's always about 30 people on it so I get my social interaction that way. <laughs> That's a good... Oh, man, that sounds heaven. Five it's really nice. Having a dog's brilliant for exercise as well. Yeah, you see, I was tempted for that reason. I thought it will make me leave the house. Yeah, you have to go out. Uh, yeah, because I see... Because we live opposite a road which goes down into this like nature reserve, so I can see these, which sounds nicer than it is. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I can see loads of people walking their dogs, and then me and the cat Susie in here, we just Just staring here. out the window. Yeah, we're not going, losers, raining. <laughs> <laughs> that's what me and my cat were like we were very lazy just sat in, in the sun just checking out checking out all the other dog walkers now I'm one of those idiots walking around in the rain having a nice chat watching the dogs play and that's you know that's how I get my social interaction nowadays and social media obviously which helps stops you going mad Do, I was going to say like because um, we mentioned Twitter earlier mm-hmm. have you built yourself a, a little uh, yeah. support network almost I adore Twitter. I know a lot of people don't like it or they don't get it, but I love it. I started off, I think I got my account in 2009. I didn't really use it very much until I started um, started at college a few years back. And I just, I followed people that I like to, to see their work or I like to talk to. And um, it kind of grew from there. I don't know how many people I follow now, but everybody that I follow I really enjoy talking to or you know reading their tweets or something and um I actually think when I was applying for my agency I think the agent that hired me had seen my work on Twitter and she contacted me through Twitter to tell me that I'd been approved to join the agency so it does you know it works twitter's twitter's brilliant is it's like having little mini conversations with people all the time and when i first started i didn't have a clue what what was what and and it was actually quite difficult to kind of keep up with everything because it moves so fast but once you get used to it you know you can have little back back and forth conversations and you know find things out really quickly so i absolutely love it yeah i wouldn't be without it now it does seem like a great place especially if you've got visual stuff to uh having said that I've spoken to like coders, developer type people who who get the sense of community out of it. But as a place to visually share your work, it's like this living portfolio. It's great. It is really good. What I quite like about it is if you find someone that, you, you know, you like their art or whatever and you look on their website and there's the portfolio and you go on and you click through it nine times out of ten they'll have a twitter account so you can go over to their twitter account and flick through and it shows things that they may have been working on or have worked on and don't really want to finish so you get kind of little snippets of work that maybe you wouldn't get on a portfolio website Mm, like a behind the scenes sort of thing yeah cool um how have you found the financial side of being freelance um it's a tricky one isn't it because i know that a lot of people I think I don't struggle as maybe as much as some people. My finances are are kind of managed quite well, I guess. I I um I don't have to chase anybody really. So, you know, having an agent is is useful for that. I know a few people that I speak to really really struggle with getting people to pay within 30, 60, 90, you know, 100 120 days and they've not been paid. Whereas I don't really 
I don't really struggle with that as much as they do because I've got the agency chasing for me. Having said that, it's it's very rare to get paid within the 30-day time frame that a lot of people say they're going to pay you in. Um, and I did struggle with that, actually. When I first started, one of the um, the other girls at the agency that I'm friendly with was talking to me about having to have been working in the industry for about a year before things start to kind of catch up so what you do is you start out and you work and work and work and work and then after a year you've kind of got a steady stream of backlogged work coming through being paid but that that first year is quite difficult you know the things don't come through regularly I think I waited on one one particular account to be paid and it took 11 months um even with an agent so that's wow. Bad. Yeah. When you say you're waiting for it to pay, be paid, as in it, it was being paid in chunks or none of it came through at all? None of it came through at all. And I think it was just it, it was just an error. Like it must have just slipped through the cracks or something and my agency was chasing it and um it it was just one of those things, but the majority of the time um I would say it probably takes 2 to 3 months to get paid for things, probably longer actually. Most of the time Wow. Uh, and and is it always payment at the end or do you take? It, it is usually payment at the end. Um, I've, since I've started working, it's usually payment at the end, but I've just finished my first picture book. It's been um, written by somebody else and, and I uh, illustrated it. Awesome. It's a really, really fun book. Uh, it's called Ninja Nan. it is even the title's funny it sounds like we've skipped to that bit at the end of the podcast where i asked for truth and lie and um it's written by holly hughes and um it's just so much fun it's absolutely brilliant it's um i don't want to give too much away but it it's um got a little boy in it and um his nan is a ninja as the title says And I laughed all the way through when I was reading it. Uh, And the team have been fantastic in supporting me with it. And um, I I hope it does really well. But it was good fun to work on. But what I'm getting at with this particular story is that they have, um, in their contract, they they split it up. The payments are split up. And actually, a a couple of clients have done this. They say, you get X amount at the beginning and you get X amount on completion of the refs and then you get X amount on completion of the final work. So I think... Some publishers do understand that it's kind of unfeasible for you to go, you know, it might, I might be working on a book. I've been working on this book for about four months, five months, maybe a little bit longer. It's unfeasible to go that long without being paid. Like, how do you pay your bills, you know? Mm. So they, they are quite good at splitting it up for you. That's so exciting about the book. I am really excited about it. I think it gets published in uh, July um, and... I can't wait. Be I just want to know. As well, because uh, I, I find that a lot of illustrators and authors, for that matter, seem to do some sort of circuit of, you know, like going to places and showing off their skills. And I know. Things. It's terrifying. Have you done that yet? Or <laughs> no. It, so that, that might well now come your way. <laughs> I know. I'm such a social... I'm I'm not very good at it. I'm I don't know. Maybe maybe in my head I I'm perceived I perceive myself as being worse than I am, but the thought of standing up in front of people and and talking is absolutely terrifying. You should insist that all the children in the class have a dog and then <laughs> Yeah, everyone bring their dogs. <laughs> and then it'll feel okay. <laughs> so if this is your first uh picture book, 
what has the other sort of work that you've been doing uh, been? When I first started, I did a lot of educational work. So educational publishers in America hired me and my particular style, they quite liked that. I think it probably because it was quite bright and colourful. Um, I've done some, yeah, mostly educational work to start with. And then I did some trade picture books and trade picture books are slightly different to the picture books that you'll see in like Waterstones. Um, they don't have such a big budget perhaps and um, they're kind of they're like mass market picture books. So a, say a Scholastic one, for instance, might get um, commissioned and then go into Waterstones, whereas the trade picture books will go to places like Sainsbury's and Tesco's and they'll be sold on the works and they'll be sold for like two or three pounds. Whereas the other kind of picture books will get sold at a higher markup. Oh, okay. So, so I did a few of those, and um, what else did I do? Mostly educational and trade picture books, actually. Yeah, that was pretty much it. Wonderful. Okay, now I always ask for three facts, make two true, one a lie, and let me figure out the lie. What have you got for me? I've got, um, I was number three in the world with the hammer weapon in the game Quake Wars. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. I, I ran myself over with my own car and I once fell off a cliff when I was racing my dog for its ball. <laughs> um, oh, man. Um, you ran yourself over in with your own car. Yeah. Now, it's embarrassing, see, I, isn't it? I know a milkman who, a milkman who did this because you know how milkmen in their milk floats can jump out while it's still running? Yeah. And he did that and then slipped and it r- drove over him. Oh, God. And, of course, Brian Harvey of E17 famously ran over himself in his drive. Did he? Oh, oh you're... Oh, my God. Maybe... I do remember E17, but only barely. Are oh, you just playing dumb there? Have you just <laughs> stolen Brian Harvey's fact? such a stupid thing to lie about though isn't it why would you want to lie about that yeah you're right unlike <laughs> running off a cliff or uh playing it wasn't a very ham- big cliff to be fair it was it was it was a cliff but it wasn't that big i think i in my head i was talking to my friend about it the other day and i said i it was like 30 feet and then i thought about it, it was like it wasn't 30 feet at all it was more like 10 or 15 maybe maybe 20 that's still quite a lot what was it that? was quite it was quite bad yeah it was, was it like a, a sandy beach at the bottom or no a it was trampoline like, um, what was down the bottom it was where it was when i was younger um and there was kind of like a creek and the top part of the creek was kind of wooded and and tr- with trees and there was grass and then it kind of stopped quite suddenly and kind of it's quite rocky so the cliff was like a rocky like outcrop kind of cliff but not not like big jagged rocks. It wasn't that bad. Like I did have quite a bad injury, but it was fine, obviously. <laughs> um, and I, I mean, I don't even know what Quake Wars is. <laughs> it was a it was a game, a co op game, a few years ago, and I am a gamer, and I had a clan, and um, <laughs> we we were playing, and there's a particular weapon called the hammer. And what you do is you stand at a distance and you designate a spot on the map where you want the hammer to hit. And it's there's a bit of skill to it, I've got to I've got to mention <laughs> because you've got to predict where people will be when the hammer hits because it takes a few seconds right. for it to hit. So you've got to kind of designate where it'll be and hope people run into the kill zone and then fire it. And how did you run over yourself in a car? Did you even um, say that? Yeah, it I it was stupid. I uh, it was when I'd first started driving and I'd left my phone or something in the house and kind of hopped out, ran ran around, got the phone as I was walking behind the car. 
I think I just must have not put the handbrake on properly and so it slipped off um, and kind of just bumped into me as it was rolling back down the drive. <laughs> you see, Natalie, your whole our whole conversation has been littered with things like, oh, I joined VRAF. <laughs> I've written a book called Ninja Nan, like, or, or illustrated. Yeah, it's... I, you know, I only go to supermarkets to talk to people. All of these. <laughs> I'm really clumsy. I've got to add that. I was talking to somebody about about this earlier on. I don't think I've got a T-shirt that hasn't got a tea stain down it. <laughs> <laughs> I trip over my own feet quite a lot. All of those stories had so much detail in them. I'm, But maybe you've been practising them at Tesco's for the past <laughs> week. Uh, I think you didn't get run over by your own car. Oh, you guessed. I didn't run myself yes. out of my own car. That is a really stupid thing to lie about, though. <laughs> it was just when you said I was getting my co- my phone or something and I thought <laughs> she would know exactly what it was she I'm was getting. I'm a rubbish liar. <laughs> Everything else had so much detail. Phone or something. <laughs> Uh, what else would it be? Oh, my, I should have my been iron. specific about the phone, shouldn't I? Yeah, if you'd have just said phone, <laughs> I really wouldn't have known. I'm getting quite good at this now. You are. I'm like Angela Lansbury. Right, <laughs> uh, well, Columbo, maybe. Right, yeah, um, if you could tell your younger self one thing about being freelance, what would it be? Um, don't expect to work nine to five. I genuinely did think that I could just choose my own hours when I first started. And while I can choose my own hours, I tend to choose the fact that I work nine till midnight or something. <laughs> so you can choose your own hours. All you've got to do is make sure you get the work done. So, yeah. So do you simply work when you, creativity hits or is it once you've sat down at nine in the morning, you don't feel like stopping? I Over the last kind of couple of years, I've decided that I'm not a morning person. I don't think I ever was a morning person, but because I worked in an office or I was in the RAF or whatever I had to be up at a certain time and be there doing my job at a certain time but since I've been working from home I've realized that actually I'm not a morning person at all and I hate getting up before like eight o'clock so I don't (laughs) (laughs) the beauty of being freelance (laughs) that's it but the flip side of that is that I I wake up take the dog out might come back for 10 o'clock or something but then because I've not started work at nine I'm kind of already behind by an hour of the normal working day so you kind of have to you know work all the way through the day back up into the evening um and also because I work with a lot of people in America um used to getting you know emails or phone calls quite late so I tend to just answer them when I get them um but yeah, you can choose You can choose the times that you work. And sometimes I've decided not to work throughout the day and work into the night instead because I just fancy doing it. Mm. But yeah, you can choose it. But, you, you know, you, you just be prepared to work ridiculous, ridiculous hours, like seven days a week. Is that simply because you've still got the thing of wanting to get your homework done where you just want to keep <laughs> going and keep going and going? Or is it because you've got too much work? Or how, how come you're working such hours? I think it's a combination of me wanting to get the work that I've been given done and done well. And also because sometimes, sometimes you get given a project and it you might be kind of waiting for feedback so you take on another project and then they kind of dovetail together quite nicely. Sometimes they don't dovetail together very nicely and you end up working ridiculous hours. Or a lot of the time, not a lot of the time, some of the time, publishers 
um, and people who commission work maybe consider illustration as maybe sort of afterthought and they don't have much time in their schedule allotted to it so rather than kind of getting you know getting an illustrator or something on board uh, at the start and kind of working with them I'm sure there are reasons for this because I don't work in the publishing industry and, and I don't know the ins and outs of it I'm sure there's there's really good reasons for it but a lot of the time you're commissioned at the end and it's a rush you maybe have a stupidly short deadline and because you're just starting out you can't really say no unless it's really really ridiculous you just kind of have to say yes and do it mm. if you want to check out natalie's work and you really should uh, go to beingfreelance.com we'll put a link onto her website which is as i mean it's this joyous thing i mentioned earlier it's because of the children's illustration perhaps as you say it's nice and bright mm-hmm. uh, it's uh, really lovely to see so go take a look and of course uh, we'll put links on there to twitter and everything else we've been talking about you can check out other guests as well beingfreelance.com um and keep an eye out for ninja nan uh, in July, we'll we'll update the page and put the link, <laughs> the link on there. Good luck with that. That's, Thank you. That's really cool. What, what would you say has been like your like your biggest buzz and your biggest challenge of being freelance? Um, the biggest challenge, I think it's the hours. Actually, I mean, I'm a bit of a workaholic anyway, but it's the sheer number of hours that you have to work is the biggest challenge. There are sometimes, like the last, just before Christmas, I. I think I'd just worn myself out. I think because I'd moved house and everything, that doesn't help at the best of times, but I was working on loads of different things. I was kind of like falling asleep at my desk, kind of tired. So I thought, right, take take a few days off, just relax, take the dog for a walk, it'll be fine. When you take off time like that, is that where you, you like you, you've still got work to do, but you think, do you know what, I'm just going to leave it? Or do you just wait? until there isn't the work no i just wait until there's no work i i can not work if i've got work i can't not do it i think it just must be something psychological about having something kind of like eating away at you yeah like i have to do it and then when it's done i can sit down with a cup of tea or you know just have a day off or something but it's it's very rare that it happens and i've actually learned to kind of appreciate it when it does to be honest yeah but the biggest buzz is when you get a job that you really really click with and you really enjoy I mean I enjoy most of it anyway because it's you know I just enjoy painting children's children's things but um getting this getting this book with Scholastic Ninja Nan that was the biggest buzz I've had so far it was just such an incredible feeling knowing that somewhere in Scholastic the massive publisher someone goes yep she's perfect for that book wonderful (laughs) nothing can compare to that Nat, lovely to speak to you. Thanks so much. And Thank well, you. send our love to all the dog walkers of Northern Ireland. <laughs> I will. And all the best being freelance. Thank you very much for having me. Oh, you've got lovely manners, haven't you? Thanks for having me. <laughs> I'm a polite young lady. You, you really are. That was nice. <laughs>